Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'm joined by Jerry Taylor. I'll tell you what, Jerry, when there's no games televised that we're covering, the weekend is a long, long time in football. I'll tell you, two days yeah. without a stream. I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, maybe I should just go live for a wee chat in the comments, you know, over the weekend there. But there was a game. Uh, we didn't know a great deal about it, but at least we got updates. At least we got goals. Going to be talking about all of that, but before we do all that, you got yourself a new dog. Um, how are you getting on with Milo? He's brilliant, mate. He's, he's just sleeping beside me now. Don't say his name out loud, you'll wake him. Right? Oh. <laughs> I'm not good. It's like that Alexa thing, eh? All, oh, all of a sudden, I, I, exactly. attention. Yeah, oh, he's, he's brilliant, mate. Obviously, um, the main reason I've got him if Celtics listening is so I know how to channel a dog for when I'm playing hoopy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one time when they're going to let me play the mascot. But he's great. He's helping me getting through the Celtic uh, non-existent news right now. Like you're saying about the pre-season, it's taken me back to years ago and it's just like, why are we not getting content for some of these games? And I understand. I think, was it maybe John that said uh, last week that, I think it was John that said, look, sometimes they just need the privacy for these games just to get through it. I don't agree. I don't agree. I am needing a fix because I felt it this weekend, mate. I don't know what it was, but Really felt it this weekend. Um, and apologies for the last podcast. My laptop just started updating, took ages. Um, but hopefully all good now. And I'd lose our notes for the last one, but they're all out of date. One of my this notes is was, the thing. <laughs> what was one of my notes? Why Celtic not announced a water? And the other team hasn't then. This is <laughs> it. You know, 24 hours. This is what we're talking about. That need for constant information, Jerry. And as soon as, it, as, soon as you write it on the page, you know, the, the actual listed discussion points I've got here could be out of date by the time we're finished this because we might go out and sign someday and we'll probably be updated in the comments section. And that is exactly what we are dealing with at the minute. The This need for information on, in the pre-season, I'll go back to a few different things. Uh, not that long ago, I say not long ago, um, can you remember that almost cult 
iconic Celtic third kit, which was branded a, a, a European kit, Jerry. Now, this was the 1980s, so we had a cheek calling anything a European kit. And it was actually designed by someone you know really well, pal of mine, Simon Weir. Um, really? Simon Simon designed the kit as a as a wee guy, right? Wow. And he, he drew it with felt tip pens and he and he sent this wee image over to Davey Hugh, who was a manager at the time. Davey sent it to Umbro. Uh, Simon got the letter saying, listen, thank you very much for all this. All of a sudden, Umbro released this this European jersey and it's Simon's design. <laughs> um, and I told that story in my, my book recently, but I was trying to figure out because I was told that we never ever wore the jersey in a competitive game. Now, this is a jersey with the white down the bottom, the black and the green up top, C.R. Smith, V-neck, a real classic, right? Uh, and I was told by the aficionados, we never wore this in a competitive game, but we did wear it in a friendly. And see, trying to find that friendly game and a couple of images of the friendly game and the details, it was as tough as trying to find information on this Portamanense game that we played last week, <laughs> right? So it was bringing back the kind of retro vibes, Jerry. right? What would happen if you lost your phone over a weekend and, and you had to find out about Celtic? That's what it felt like. And right. thankfully, we got more information on Saturday. Now, the other example I was going to use was we had an injury crisis to our goalkeepers, and this was 1988-89, right? So we just won the double. Pat Bonner had to go in for an operation. I'm pretty sure it was a back operation. And then Alan McKnight, who you'll remember played against Dundee United in the cup final when McAvaney scored the two, he demanded a transfer. He was transfer listed, and he was on his way to West Ham. So we had no goalies except for the young guy, Andy Murdoch, don't know if you remember Andy Murdoch. Oh, he was a young goalie. And um, he went over to this, this pre-season tour as the only goalkeeper. Lo and behold, he gets injured. So we had to start using goalie, any goalie that we could find in these pre-season games. One of them was famously Hamish McAlpine. You'll remember the Dundee United yeah, keeper uh, with a brilliant Mouser. And there were two There were some great Mousers back in the day, weren't there? Different, different Seab Dykstra's. Do you remember Seab Dykstra? <laughs> yes, I, I do. Oh. Seab Dykstra was called the porno star back then. Remember That's that? Sweet. I think Absolutely he played a brilliant. final all the way through a broken rib as well, did he not? But yeah, well, that might have been the 94 one. I'd think, check I think that against was. Rangers. But yeah, the goalies, I, I've got a list of their names actually. It's a great pub question because nobody ever would get the three goalies Celtic used for one game at a time in the preseason. And it's felt a wee bit like that. But as you say, there's a reason behind it. Uh, maybe Brennan Rogers didn't want that information to go out. Um, and Sean Conley on Friday suggested that maybe it wasn't a registered game and it was it was literally a bounce game, like, you know, at the back uh, green. We've seen a couple of photographs and that of it. But we'll be talking about some of the plus points that we've seen from that uh, minimal footage. We'll be talking about Brennan Rogers' comments on the squad and the need to trim the squad as well. What does that look like? Um, I've been brutal. I've looked through the squad. I've got 10 players on the list here. Who could Ten. be for the for the kibosh? So we're we going ruthless here. Then we're going to go ruthless, and I'm right. going to ask you your your view on every one of them. And then you know, last week we got a, a wee bit of flat for talking about Kieran Tierney. People are saying, "Why do you speculate like the red tops and this and that?" Brennan Rodgers has now spoken about Kieran Tierney and the possibility or otherwise of him coming to Celtic. Um, the incomings, are we satisfied with the incomings? People are getting a wee bit tetchy at the fact that we've only brought in two confirmed. There's another two in the wings. Um, and what does the next one look like? We'll be talking about all of that and more. 
Uh, Jerry, I'm going to start off with an interesting one. And I was going to put this on the tagline today, right? And it's this term, bucket list. Celtic are becoming a bit of a bucket list club, right? And mm. I've heard loads of people over the years going, oh, I'd love to go up to Celtic Park. Um, and actually, Stan Collymore uh, said this. We, we got in kind of, I'm not going to say friendly, but we've been in touch with Stan for a while. And um, we were doing an interview with Stan Collymore. And it was in the week of the Lazio game where we played them at Parkhead, right? right. And uh, Stan Collymore said he wanted to go to the game. And we had two spare tickets, Jerry, for the game. So I says, listen, you can come up and be our guest for the game. We'll do an interview. It was all lined up. He announced it on Twitter. I was buzzing because, believe it or not, he's on my bucket list of interviews. And he was going on about Celtic, <laughs> the Celtic uh, European nights being a bucket list thing, right? Right. And I was like, yeah, I get that. And then you hear all these other players. So this week alone, Ange Postacoglu says managing Celtic is a bucket list thing for a manager. Andy Cole spoke about uh, coming up to watch Celtic v Rangers has been on his bucket list. And I'm thinking, right, what does it mean? And therefore, can we use it to our advantage? Is, are we a bucket list club in the current term? Not for a, a retired footballer who wants to come up and see the atmosphere. Not for a manager who's already left. What about some players who might actually want to come and play for the club? What does that mean to you, Celtic as a bucket list club? I think, it, well, first off, it's on my bucket list to get a Celtic ticket these days at all, <laughs> by the way, so join the queue. <laughs> but, uh, it's, I mean, for folk to say that, it's a huge thing. What bucket list, like climbing Mount Everest or jumping out a plane. So to add mm. Celtic up there, it just shows that how, how far they've grown as a club, as a brand over the years. And I've been saying it in the podcast before, I'm really excited for the future. Um, I don't know if you remember, we were speaking and we were talking about Ange's legacy as well. Yeah. And I was saying, I don't think Ange's legacy is just going to be in the trebles. It's going to be in the players that we sell and that he's brought in and the money we bring in for them. And that's just going to see the club growing even further and further. I'm really excited, but also I don't want to, to jinx it. But it's nice. I love it when you hear... One of my favourite things is when you see, you're like, oh, do you hear Snoop Dogg's a Celtic fan? Or do you... Do you know what I mean? Things like that. And you go, that's our I club. I know. They like I us. love that. I do I, love that. And, love and that obviously feeds into you becoming the mascot at some point of the club because we were hoping to rebrand the mascot as well. Um, now, with regards to that, yeah, I do love it. I do get a buzz out of it. And I think that it's great that the brand of the football club as well grows to such a degree that people like Snoop Dogg and all that, you know, they love name drop and Celtic. Um, and it was great also just the other week there at Transmit Paul Heaton introducing Rianne Downey. Glasgow Celtic, the crowd go wild. That's fantastic. So I think it is a positive thing. But mm -hmm. the subject of today's uh, podcast mainly is around how we are able to progress during uh, Brendan Rodgers' tenure at the club. And I think there's a few things you've already mentioned there in relation to the recruitment uh, and being able to recruit really, really smartly. And we did that over the last couple of years. And um, what then happens, I think, is incrementally, season on season, you get better and better in Europe um, and you use your recruitment strategy as a means to do that and then buy better and better year on year. And if you're buying better, that normally would be reflected in the, the transfer fees that you then shell out for each individual player and therefore the transfer fees you come back in and you get stronger and stronger each season. So if we are a bucket list club, what I want, though, Jerry, is to be that, um, you know, to be that pinnacle for the players in the here and now 
So when we're going out to get real, real quality, they look at us and they think, you know, it's not just something you go to when you're at grass, you know, when you've retired and you just want a wee bit year at the end of your football career to come up and pull the hoops on because it's always been on your bucket list. You know, you don't want it to be like a raffle winner running around a wee bit out of weight, a wee bit out of shape, great in his day, and he comes up to play for Celtic. So how, how can we do that? And I think that ties into a lot of the discussion points today because there's been quite a lot of folk concerned, I think, Jerry, at uh, the lack of incomings. Um, and the ones that we have brought in, people are suggesting that they look more like the old project sign. I wish there was a better word for project because project is something that people don't like the sound of because it's almost as if it's not going to work out. I'm not writing any of the guys off that we've signed already, Jerry. Um, but it would appear to me that the they've already been in the works and I think that that is pretty clear with the type of market that we're, yeah. we're shopping in there. Um, and I'm looking forward to a player coming in, you think to yourself, that's definitely a Brennan Rodgers buy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think we've been spoiled, mate, over the past couple of seasons, haven't we, when it comes to the, the quick signings coming in and out. But like the, the disruption's been unreal because Ange would have been in what planning these signings coming in, the board would have been planning all these signings coming in, and then he leaves. And all of a sudden, Brendan's got to come in and go, right, OK, here's the way I want to develop the squad. These are the players I want in. And how do you find that balance of the ones that are already coming in and not? And like you've said before, if he didn't want them coming in, I don't think they would be coming in. I don't think after the whole Shved McGinn stuff the last time and the promises made by the board, I, I can't see that happening. And um, when it comes to the whole other project player, uh, I was talking to a guy on Twitter, and it was quite funny because he's like, oh, I think I think he might have been talking about Odin Home or Tilio, Tilio, and he says, "I bet he's a project player." And I says, "Well, we said that about a badder," and he went, "I bet he was a project player." Till he played his first game and was really good, and then <laughs> I mean it's it's exactly it's, it's fickle like Jota as well. He was he was bought on loan, and look how he's developed, and look at CCV. Are we this club that's going to bring in a huge name that is proven? I can't see it happening. I want it to happen. The thing I, I I don't know if you do this, but I always look at a player and go, say for instance Ronaldo a couple of seasons ago, and he's looking for a club. I start going right. He's made this much the past few seasons. How much does he need to live off? Over the rest of his life, could he just come to Celtic? Because he was, it was Zlatan. It was Zlatan. Zlatan. I thought, I thought, is there any way we could, you know, sell a stand or something and bring in Zlatan Ibrahimovic? Uh, um, as soon as a player says, "Oh, I love the atmosphere at Celtic Park," we're like, "They're coming. They're going to yeah. come to us one day." Mm -hmm. The Jota thing. I, I've been hoping that Jota goes away for his couple of seasons, makes all the money he can, then phones Celtic and says, "Coming back for nothing for a couple of years, guys. I'm, I'm sorted." See, see the thing with that. This kind of clamour for the big name I get it I'm a football fan and it, it is something that's box office right Jerry and it's you know it's something that preceded the social media um, age where people need that information they need it instantly and they need it several times not a day several times a minute several times you know every five minutes so I think there is that need and it's just like but th there is a real um, you know for me importance in us being patient because you know Jim absolute respect for, for Jim Moore on, on a Friday. But Jim is talking about his concerns now for that first competitive game at Celtic Park and the fact that, you know, a couple of injuries and it can throw you askew a little bit. And I'm going to be talking about that as well. What do we do at centre-half? What do we do at right-back? You know, because it's it's one of these things that they, they positions may or may not have been in the, you know, the plan 
at this stage for this particular transfer window, but then they become part of the plan. And if they do, does that mean that we don't sign someone else we're going in for? So there's lots of things to consider. So it's interesting to hear Brendan actually talking about, you know, trimming the squad and recruitment and Kieran Tierney and all that kind of stuff. But one one final name I'm going to throw into the mix. You, you've mentioned Snoop. Um, one that I loved was, was Bob Marley, right? And wow. I remember... Going back to Simon Weir, going back to Simon Weir, right? We were Celtic. Over this Simon Weir thing, I need to get in touch with him to see this. Aye. this oh, he designed Celtic jerseys and and all this. So we're well, sitting right. at Celtic game this day, Simon and I, and um, we spot Dixie Deans, right? And Dixie Deans does his thing at, at the park, and he goes and does some of the uh, the lounges and all that kind of stuff, right? But he's an absolute icon. He's a legend. I always remember as a wee guy watching the Celtic uh, history video where he done that somersault when he scored the hat trick against Tibbs. And I used to say to my old fella, he's never a footballer. Look at the look at the size of him. Look at the shape of him. He's not. But he was brilliant scoring all these goals. So Dixie Deans is doing his rounds, and Simon's like, oh, I need to get a picture with Dixie. Need to get a picture with Dixie, right? So we went over to him and I was like, oh, do you mind? And he was like, no, absolutely. He was a gentleman. And I took the picture of Simon with Dixie Deans. And Simon, right, has got a real affinity with J- Jamaica, right? So he started talking to him about Bob Marley. So there's a picture in Dixie Deans' autobiography of him with Bob Marley. And what, what the story is around that is that Dixie left football, really, and, and then kind of semi-retired over in Australia and played football over there. Uh, Bob Marley and the Whalers were playing over in a show. Dixie went, somehow got backstage, and he meets Bob Marley, right? So he's shaking Bob Marley's hand. Once Bob Marley finds out he used to play with Celtic, he waxes lyrical about the Lisbon Lions. He talks about getting tapes sent over to Jamaica because he loved Celtic. This is true, man, right? What? So this is a great story in Dixie's book. So then what happens is... Um, I was watching a Bob Marley documentary on Netflix, I think it was. This was years ago. And there's a picture of Bob with Rita Marley in Jamaica. And the boy, who turns out to be Rowan, who I think was an American footballer, is on Bob Marley's shoulder and he's wearing the hoops, right? So I, I took a wee picture of it, fired it out there. I was like, oh, I, I love this Bob Marley story as a Celtic fan. Here's a picture of him with his wee boy wearing the hoops. And as so happens on social media, Jerry, people coming in, Oh, you made that up. You know, the Charlie Mulgrew. You made that up. Aye. <laughs> anyway, the, you know, the wonders of social media. Rohan Marley gets involved in the discussion, right? And he confirms, ah, me and my dad love the Celtic and all this kind of stuff. And it just exploded. So that's my favourite. Bob Marley loved Celtic. I know. And, and do you know what? That just backs up what Davey Moyes said. Um, mm. I loved this. Was it yesterday's? Was it his, his presser? Yeah. When he says, look... <laughs> And do you know what? We need more Scottish managers and players down there doing this fight in our cause because it's true. I mean, what was he said? Well, the Celtic are the third or fourth highest supported club in the world. And when you're saying things like Bob Marley, Snoop Dogg, and I know that they won't be like, they wouldn't have been season ticket holders, things like that. But the fact that they know us, I love that. It's so good. It's I love it it, really it does. Is. One of my other favourites, by the way, I know we're digressing here, but no, we've got, lo- we've got loads more to get through. But it was the Peaky Blinders, remember, when they were filming and, and he had the yeah. Kieran Tierney jersey. Oh, I loved that. I absolutely loved that. And do you know what? Because they lost like half the Scottish audience, didn't they? But then they did the Billy Boys one <laughs> after that and they ended up boosting them right back. Aye, up, I know. Aye, that, that was quite um, cute. I uh, quite enjoyed that. But the thing is, with yourself, Jerry, and in your line of work, eventually, once you, you get to that point and you've seen it, 
with directors, for example, making big budget movies and they put in the wee Easter eggs, wee Celtic references and all that. I love all that kind of stuff. Now, I've got, sorry for cutting you off, but I don't know if a lot of people know this, but every single play in pantomime I've ever written uh, has got a Celtic reference that only I know is in it. Superb. Every single play, book, everything I've ever written has got it in it. And that's just my thing. It's my luck thing. We need to look for them now, mate. We need to look, look for, for them. them. Very um, yeah. Get involved in the comments. What's your feelings on Brendan Rodgers cutting the squad? Who do you think could actually leave the club as a result of that? I've got 10 players on my list. Am I being too ruthless? Who do you think should leave Celtic this pre-season? Are you happy with the transfers in so far? Or do we need to go for that big money, box office, marquee signing? I was going to say Marquis Smith because that's Kevin Graham's influence on me. Who do we need to bring in? What positions do we need to strengthen? And is that Celtic jersey looking any better yet now that you've seen it in the flesh? I was up at the um, stadium this morning, actually, Jerry. I was up there nice and fresh this morning, back at eight. And um, obviously the models, the mannequins are in the window with that Celtic jersey. I thought, I need to get over and I need to have another look at this. Uh, because when I seen the action photos and the and the goals and that from the Portimonense second game, the, the hoops tend to crease and go wavy and all that, you know, with the contours of the, 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 the athletic body of the footballer. And it didn't look as though it was wavy because generally speaking, you can look at any picture of the hoops and it will look like that anyway. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'll go up and I'll, I'll have a look at that. And I've seen a, a bit of a, a change in, in opinion online from a lot of people who were all saying, right. I don't like that jersey. Now they're saying, actually, it looks all right. And now I, I feel like I'm the last man standing here, Jerry. I went up and I looked at it. I still don't like it. I'm still with you, mate. I think we're the only two <laughs> now, aren't we? I'm, I'm trying. Are we I'm being stubborn? Really... Are we just being stubborn now that the mind is made? I don't know. Did they get an eight-year-old boy to design that one as well? Just like Simon. <laughs> Simon was about a, fa- a fact. I think he was 13. Right, I might, 15, I might right? be adding a few years onto his age. I think he was 13 <laughs> when he designed that jersey. God, no, I've, I've I've not been swayed on it. By the way, who would you say, right? I was trying to think this other day. Who was our last big marquee signing? And everyone went, oh. I know you've got like your Robbie Keane and that, but in recent years, I'm trying to think. You know, Rob, Robbie Keane's a great one um, because I would class him. I would class him as a marquee signing. Mm-hmm. And I think that... Um, it didn't really work out, obviously. I think um, Tommy Gravison would, would definitely be in that category, and so would Roy right. Keane during Gordon Stratton's time. And there was a period when just about everybody Martin O'Neill signed was marquee mm. box office, right up to you know Craig Bellamy. And let's oh, not I forget... Love, I love Bellamy. Love Bell, Bellers, amazing. And let's not forget even Janino. When we signed Janino, he's a World Cup winner, Jerry. You know, and we brought him to the club. We were struggling to replace Henrik Larson. We never did replace Henrik Larson. So has there been any since then? Um, I mean, would even when Jota? we signed... Would you say Jota? Jota? I know it's like after he played a season and then, then we permanently signed him after knowing how box good he was. Yeah, I think there's an argument to say so. I would. I think there's an argument to say so. And mm-hmm. going into that pre-season, Jerry, a year ago, you know, looking at those two players and thinking there's no way we're going to, you know, uh, sign both of them, Carter Vickers and Jota. And, and we even had a discussion on here, if it comes down to one, who do you take and why? And we went and signed a pair of them, you know. And yeah. this season, I think the equivalent of that this season is tying down important players on long-term deals so that we, we know they're going to be here next year. Guys like Kyogo and Maeda and McGregor, hopefully there's another one or two 
on top of that as well. Um, as you say, the Awata um, loan has turned into a permanent deal, kind of under the radar. We seem to be, you know, behind the curve uh, when it comes to a few things getting announced by other clubs before we get uh, in it, Jerry. Notice that as well. But yeah, I, I, would, I would say so. I would say Jota, uh, when we signed him permanently, that, that was box office for me. Duffy. <laughs> Duffy, yeah, well... <laughs> See the thing, right? I'm not being funny, and they're there, and they're not going to get removed. See, when you look at some of our bulletins from that preseason, when we're going to go, hopefully, to win the ten, and we're talking up a Yeti, we are, and we're talking up Duffy, we're talking up the fact that we've signed a five million pound goalie with Champions League and international experience, Jerry. You know, we were in Blackstone Sucker. Yeah, I mean, an AC Milan player Aye. who had been in the World Cup team of the tournament for Uruguay. Uh, Hook, line and sinker. We were all in on it. And then yep. very, very quickly we realised this is wrong. So I think there's a, there's probably some learning from that. Um, and that would be that, you know, a £5 million goalie comes in today. We're, we're all buzzing about it, right? It's a great topic of conversation. Social media will be buzzing, the whole thing. Doesn't always work out, though. No. Shane Duffy comes in. Big name player, big wages, EPL, Irish defender, Irish captain. You know on paper, that looks like a tremendous signing. It was a disaster, right? Mm-hmm. A Yeti, you're looking at him. West Ham, so he's coming from the EPL. So if we go out today and sign a centre-forward from the EPL, will we be buzzing, Jerry? Yes. For five million quid? Of course we would. Mm-hmm. But I think these guys are showing us it doesn't always work like that. And then you've got under-the-radar players. Real Atati, how much did we know about him when we signed him <laughs> that January? Nout. We knew nothing about him as he sat there in the press conference. I remember it. The three of them sat. It was Maeda, Ediguchi, Hitati. I knew nothing about them. Thankfully, Liam Carrigan was able to educate us on these players. Um, and two out of three of them turned out as tremendous buys. Matt O'Reilly came from the third tier of English football. You know, under the radar, 1.5 million. He's a guy now that's got interest from uh, the Spanish league. And it's no surprise. So I think there's a real balance here. You, you can see the transfer fee, where they're coming from, the name, and it gets you excited. Is it the right player for Celtic? That's another question. So mm-hmm. let's um, get into the comments as well. And here we go. Jungle Line, hi from Dublin. You know what? Yesterday, what happened yesterday, right? I got somebody on Twitter offering me a room in Dublin to go oh, over. Right. To go over to, yeah, the avatar, I'm not sure if it was male, female, or, or any, <laughs> any other uh, gender preference. I'm not sure who it was. But they offered me a room. How good is that in the Celtic community to just say, listen, if you're coming over for the game, spare bedroom, you can get your head down, probably do a wee live stream from their house as well. So brilliant. And uh, hi to you, Jungle Lion, in Dublin as well. Um, What are your thoughts on the talking points today? How can we progress during Brendan Rodgers' time at the club in Europe? I want to hear all your thoughts. I'm going to run through the players that I think we could do without. These are guys I think we can do without, Jerry. I want you right. to agree, disagree. Tell me your thoughts. You go through all 10 of yours, right? Okay, Doc. And you can let me know your thoughts and add or subtract to them. Right. I've went through the squad. I've gone through the squad, rather, this morning. And um, I'm going to be brutal here. And I'm asking myself the question, if they were given a chance this season from Brendan Rogers, will they contribute to the same kind of level as Aaron Moy last season, 42 games he played, right? And he was in and out the side, by the way, 42 games he, he performed in. Um, Brendan's already said you need to play 50 or 60 games at a club like Celtic. 
So we want these players to contribute. Will they contribute? And will they, you know, be game changers? Will they contribute to it in such a way if you're a striker? Will you score that goal against Rangers? Will you score a goal in a cup game or in Europe? And this is what I'm thinking, right? Let's up the, the kind of bar here. First name on the list is Liam Scales. Now, Liam Scales... I think he came in, and I remember the conversations from uh, people in Ireland who's got a much better knowledge of Irish football than I do, telling me this boy's a real deal. Um, it's not a step up to Scottish football. It's, you know, he'll be able to transition. Um, and to be honest with you, in that first season, from what I've seen, Jerry, I thought he looked, uh, yeah, there was a poor game in Europe um, against Bodo Glimt, but I don't think the team played well that day. I thought he, did, you know, he gave a good account of himself. I wanted to see him playing on the left-hand side of the centre of defence, if possible. It didn't really happen. But he did well up, up the left flank. And there was a few performances, in particular Dundee United, Ross County, where I thought, you know, he got a goal, he got an assist, and he looked decent. He really did. He looked decent. And I thought he had to go out and loan. And that's exactly what happened. But I also think that we've moved on. And I think the quality that we need now, looking at some of his performances for Aberdeen, talking to some Aberdeen fans, um, Red Tinted Specs, the podcast, um, uh, excellent podcast for Aberdeen fans, they talk about skills. They would have them permanently. They would want them on, on a permanent basis. But his performances, like the team last season, were up and down. Obviously, we thank him for the goal against Rangers. He meant it. Every, kind of, every step of the way, he meant it. But I think we've moved on, and I don't think that we can progress in Europe. I don't think that we can win trebles playing the players I'm going to mention here. So Liam Scales, I would allow to leave and I would allow him to leave on a permanent contract. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I was excited when he came in and he's definitely got that drive, that enthusiasm, that passion. But I think what he was just lacking that extra kind of specialness to be in, in, in the squad, if that makes sense. I think... If we're wanting to develop in Europe, we can't be giving people their first bash at the Champions League again this season. We need to build on the players that gained the experience last season and then add some experience to that. I don't think he's going to help us progress. Would he be a good squad player for us in the league? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think he can do a job. But will he get us to that next next level? No, so I agree. Sold. You, you make a good point there, though. Um, there are going to be players, right, that we've either had for a couple of seasons or came in last season who have improved to a level where they then step up a notch in the Champions League. I was really excited to see how Hatati, for example, performed in the Champions League last season and I thought he was he was brilliant. Now, um, what I would expect from a guy like him or O'Reilly is for this season them to be even more comfortable at that level. So that that was a, you know their introduction, their debut campaign and then they're even more comfortable that this time round. They're almost galvanised, and they know what it's all about. So they step up. I think Kyogo needs to make that that wee bit of a step up this season as well. And then you've got other guys, like you say, untested. You can't have too many of them at that level because it's almost as if we're always too inexperienced in the Champions League. So Liam Scales, I think he's got a cracking future ahead of him. He'll, you know, international honours, all that kind of stuff. But I don't think if we want to progress that it's going to be with, with scales. But I also agree with you. If we were just looking domestically as a squad player, yeah, he'll do a job. We've seen it. We've, we've seen him doing a job. And I always ask the, the, the question as well. When we're lining up against Rangers in that first game of the season, Jerry, uh, the first derby of the season, not the first game of the season, 
would you be confident with the player? And that, that's a question that I'm asking myself when I go through this as well. You know, as, as a starter, would you be confident in a game like that? I think the fact that I stalled to think about it probably says no. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I, like, what I look at as well, though, there was like when you look at Greg Taylor when he was coming to Celtic, people went, "Oh, he played well with Kamarnock, so so what? He's not good enough." But you're thinking he's going to get less service at Kamarnock, just like Scales maybe getting less service at Aberdeen, and that's why his, his game's going up and down. If they're around better players, are they going to get develop quicker? Are they, who knows? But I think we can't be taking these risks on just giving players another chance. And if we're being ruthless today. Liam Scales has definitely got it to go. We are being ruthless. We are being I love ruthless. It. Monday morning, bring it on. I know, Paddy, <laughs> Paddy Lavery. Uh, yes, um, no more heavy defeats in Europe would be a start. No, you're right. No more heavy defeats. A knockout win would be would be progress. Absolutely. Uh, you know, if the Champions League campaign lasts six games as it did last season, um, what you want to be doing is looking at that and thinking, you know, there were certain games last season, and I don't mean the Real Madrid ones, because I know that we had 60 minutes against them that were, were fabulous at home, but the games we should win, that this is the thing, the games we should win, you know, we're, we're at a level where we're thinking we should take something from Shakhtar Donetsk home and away, and we didn't. You know, these are the ones that we need to turn them into ones, and that will be progress. Um, we might we might not progress any further in the tournament, but we need to progress individually in terms of as a club um, and as individual players. Uh, Tam Bun, hail hail to you as well. The season is getting closer. Yeah, it does feel like that as well, doesn't it, Tam? And uh, David Boyle, welcome back to a Celtic state of mind. The signings so far are strong, fast, and aggressive. Exactly what was missing in Europe. Add two with those characteristics in the back line and we will be flying. I don't disagree with that either. Thank you all for getting involved. Keep the comments coming in. The next one on the list, and I know that most people are just going to scoff at this, it's Albion Ayeti. Um, he's a player, listen, I am sure every single person on this list is a, a supremely talented footballer at a certain level, Jerry. I mean, they don't get to Celtic unless they've got something. It's not worked out for Ayeti. You ship him out. And by the way, he scored goals in Angie's first season. He scored goals for Ange Postacoglu. Um, but then he was he was loaned out. It didn't really work for him when he was loaned out. He's not progressed. He's at that age now where it's you're looking at him thinking, go out, play games, get back into the international team. He's not going to be a Celtic player for me. And I don't think, even with the Brendan Rodgers magic wand that he, se- he seems to have on certain players, that influence that he has on players, it's not going to work with a Yeti, unfortunately. Okay. You've got to, you know, you've got to ship him out, even if it's a barcast situation and we lose all the money on him. Yeah, yeah, I'm in total agreement with you. He's for me, he's, he's a known starter. He needs to get out there, get his career going again. Um, he's, he's had, he did have his chances as well. There was some games that he, he got some good goals um, in the right positions, but never set the header light for me at all. He really didn't. So I'd be, I'd be happy. I hate saying I'd be happy to see them go. I always get scared that they're listening to this <laughs> fallout. But oh, no. by, by the way, yeah, in about three players' time, I do have a point on that. Right. Oh, okay. Right. No worries. <laughs> so I think he's, his time's up. Um, thanks for your service. Cheerio. Don't let the door hit you the way out. <laughs> yeah. And no, you're right. Because again, going back to that point, the big box office announcement, this, the social media campaign, here's a £5 million player. We had two of them, and both of them have been unmitigated disasters. Yeah. So be careful what you wish for on that front. A smile of sorrow. Um, you know, yeah, he's still in the building. He's still in the building. And again... I'm looking like a big grey beard now. 
Well, he's going to come out saying farewell Celtic. It's been a lovely time. I know, I know. I mean, he just disappeared with it, Trace. And the thing with, with Sorrow, um, he's very much part of that old regime. And what I mean by regime is is the recruitment regime that we had in place, where we, we bring a player in like Sorrow, and you look at him and think, right, what what metrics were we looking for here when we brought him in? You know, you know, what made us think that he would fit into this style of play? Now. Contrary to that, when he came in, I remember the European game against Lille himself, Conor Hazard, now departed, and David Turnbull, all played well that night. Sorrow played really well. But, you know, from what I've seen under Ange, let's just look at what we've seen under Ange, right? There was no way he was fitting into that team, Jerry. Every time he was too he was too rash in the challenge. Um, he wasn't happy unless he had a yellow card, and he wasn't even happy once he got that. He wanted another one. And every single thing that he did, you know, was clumsy. It seemed clumsy to me. Uh, ball retention wasn't good enough. Um, we're talking about fast, aggressive. Well, there's aggressive and there's just dirty. He looked like a dirty player. He gave away far too many fouls. No. I don't think Maida he's going to fit in. in one game. Remember that game? Maida was just like, he was just, can't remember. He was kind of channeling, channeling sorrow that day, I think. It was Easter Roads. Remember that? That's right. And it was the like, ghost of sorrow was in him. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I know. I was like, he's went up the road fairly for some day. <laughs> he was determined I, to get a red. <laughs> but Sorrow, I mean, again, it was like a wee Jack Russell when it was it was in about everything, but there was just no discipline there at all, um, which was a shame because I had high hopes the first couple of weeks because uh, I did my usual YouTube watching. Um, but no, again, a total agreement, Sorrow. It's driftwood, as we said, not deadwood, driftwood. Needs yeah. And you, you then use that example of we line up against Rangers. You see that line up an hour before the kickoff and sorrows in it. You know, it's not going to be a good day, is it? You're, you're looking at that and thinking, can I trust him to keep things tight in the middle of the park? Can I trust him uh, not to get booked, not to be rash? And I'm sorry, you just can't. Um, the next one, absolutely nothing personal here, but James McCarthy, it's time to leave the building. He played four games last season, Jerry. Um, four, well, I didn't even know he played that many, to be honest, mate. Four games. Decent wage four. that he's on. Um, you know, going back to that discussion we had about a player almost at grass, you know, at the end of the career, comes up to Celtic, it was a dream. Uh, he spoke about playing a few games. Well, he played a few games, but not many. And I just think go out and play football. If you've got a year or two years left in your, your legs, James, go out and play football. It's not going to be at Celtic, though, is it? No, uh, it's, it's disappointing isn't it? because do you remember? I, I remember getting really excited, but it was he was sixteen and he was playing Hamilton, wasn't it? Yeah, so Hamilton. Uh, him and James MacArthur, wasn't it? Both mm-hmm. played by Hamilton. McCarthy and MacArthur, yeah, that's right. And I just remember going, "This boy's good. This is he's good." And then when he went down south, it's like good on you. And then when he was coming to Celtic, I thought, right, when you've got that pedigree when you're younger, and everyone's really excited about you, and then you go down there and got all that experience, I thought, it was, I thought we were on to a winner. I really thought we were on to a winner. But again, that shows you, the more excited we get about players, it's usually the biggest come down, isn't it? It's the players we go, who's this guy? Turns out to be your Jotas, your Henrik Larsons, all these people. I know people knew Larson from watching the um, the World Cup, but they didn't know him. Know him right? So you look at all these big, big signings, like you say, the ones we get excited about, right? Don't get excited about signings anymore, right? <laughs> And we're on to winners. I, I used the example last week. Jerry, you mentioned Larson there. Obviously, we know what he went on to become an absolute hero, a modern, you know, probably the last world class player. Um, I don't know. Well, people might argue that Virgil van Dijk was world class, you know, what he's gone on to achieve. But 
Henrik Larson certainly, the, you know, up there, up there in my time watching Celtic. But in the the weeks leading up to that transfer, we were actually in you know in talks with the agent of uh, Gian Luca Viali at that wow. time. And and you you look at Viali, thirty two year old, falling out with Rutula at Chelsea, not getting a game. Um, Mark Hughes getting a game in front of him at Chelsea, by the way. Um, and you know he was the big name. He was a bigger name than Henry Larson. You know, if he comes in, everybody's buzzing. And and I think also the fact that Rangers have tried to sign him 12 months before, uh, you know, it would have been a, a big up yours to them as well. So, yeah. yeah, it would have been a popular signing. Was it the right signing? Of course it wasn't, because we brought in Larson and everybody knows yeah. what he did. So, again, kind of tempering that excitement and that enthusiasm on the big names at the minute. Um, Michael 89, probably rather skills over Kobayashi. I'll come back to that. Actually, I'm going to come back to that uh, because I wonder what others watching the show would think. Jerry, what's your take on that? Would you have skills over Kobayashi? I've got a bold statement about Kobayashi. I think we've been far, far too tough on this boy. He's been thrown in, right? Mm-hmm. The odd game here and there, and then he's had the, when CCV went, look at the boots he's filling first and foremost. He's in a brand new, <laughs> not just country, brand new he's, he's continent. He's, he's young. He was brought here for a reason by Ange. Ange played in that league, eh, managed in that league. He knows what he can do, and he was giving him games. I just don't think he's bedded in yet. He looked a bit of a bomb scare at times. We all know that. But nerves can get to you. And I think the Brendan effect, I'm going to put my neck in the line here, and I'm going to say Kobe Ashe is going to be one of our strongest players next season. Right. I, I do think that's a very interesting point, Jerry, because... One of the conversations I was going to have today was around what do we do with the centre-half? We already mentioned here, we've got Carter Vickers out with his operation. We knew that he was going to be out. So what do we do going into um, the, the beginning of our competitive campaign? And I, I'm going to actually say, you know what? You show a bit of belief in Kobayashi. Now, that might be controversial, but I agree with you. You show a bit of belief in, in Kobayashi and you take on on board the fact that, you know, Brennan Rodgers is looking for aggression. I've never seen any of that from him. So there's going to have to be some kind of development and in, in sharpish as well before we go into this new campaign. Yes, it's temporary, but I think within those few games, if you don't play him, because let's remember he got dropped for the cup final, so it's not going to do his confidence any good whatsoever. Um, you know, Awata had to play out of position because we didn't have the belief in Kobayashi against lower league opposition, Jerry. That's going to hit somebody's confidence pretty hard. hard. And I think you need to rebuild him. Um, yeah. And by rebuilding him, give him a few games, the competitive games. Until, They're going uh, to have him sold by the back. time this podcast finished now, aren't they? I know. I know. So Kobayashi is not on my list of players that need to leave the building. Um, Chilpil comes in also. We literally haven't seen enough of skills in a Celtic shirt to comment. Um, I don't know. He's been in the building for the best part of a couple of years now. And I know the the most part of last season he was at Aberdeen, uh, where we've we've seen him in an Aberdeen jersey. We've seen him in the games that he played in Angie's first season. Um, It was a development loan. I get that. Um, he'll come back and Rodgers will see him every day at training and make a call on him. But from what I've seen, because that's all I can really comment on, from what I've seen, I don't think he, he is at that level. Um, would love to be proven otherwise. Who's Who comes in? Liam Shaw. Liam Scales, I think it means. Uh, could be put back into position. He used to play centre-back. Um, yeah, because Liam Shaw is on my list here. I'll get to him. So James McCarthy is the fourth player that we're going to get rid of here, seeing how we're being ruthless. Um the next one must have tuned in at some point, right? 
because we did the, <laughs> we did the press conference. We did the press conference when we signed Osazi Uragidi. We signed him and we signed uh, Liam Shaw together. Well, we say we signed them together. It wasn't on the same day, but we unveiled them and we done the press conference on the same day. We were there and we asked them the questions. And it turns out that Uragidi's into the socials. He's into content creation. He's into, He's got his own YouTube channel and all that stuff. So he must be keeping his ear to the ground, Jerry, because I'm not saying we slagged him off one day, but we certainly were pretty critical of him. Right. Me in particular, I don't think he's anywhere near the level we need. Some people go back to that one appearance that he had in Europe. I, honestly, I... My view of that, that performance is completely different. I thought it was a disaster waiting to happen. I don't think he can play with the ball at his feet. He's one of these guys that go and win the header, go and win the tackle. That That's what he does, using the ball distribution. I don't think he's got it. Um, and that night or that day, he started following us. And, you know, he did. He started following a Celtic State of Mind on Twitter. And I thought, all right, should I DM him? as he watched the show. Um, so I mentioned it the following day and then he unfollowed us. So he might he might be tuning in and it's not going to change my view on him as a player. I'm being brutal here. I think it's no worked. Him and Shaw, let's use the two of them uh, as an example. It's not worked. He went over to Belgium. He played some games. I thought to myself, it's going to turn out like the old Jack Henry move where he does well, proves himself, gets a move. They couldn't afford them. Um, they couldn't afford the, the transfer, unfortunately. So... It may be difficult to offload them permanently, but for me, they don't have they don't have futures at Celtic. Neither of them. Yeah. So, Urigidi, you say Chance watches this year, and he's mm. quite a big guy, isn't he? Oh, he's huge, eh? I think he's amazing, <laughs> mate. Paul, I think you're disgusting what you've said about him, and I'd sign him up for another five years, right? On to Shaw. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, totally, I totally agree. I totally agree. I mean, enjoy your football somewhere else. Um I can show. I did you know what? I keep forgetting about show. I know. I really do. I keep forgetting about. But I two of them, they're definites for me as well. There's not really much I can say on that that you've not already said. But just for me, they're not at the standard that they need to be. And they're nowhere. There's nowhere rather for them to go at Celtic, right? So back in the day, there was players who could get into the reserve team, Jerry, prove you wrong play at high standards, you know, um, not that long. In the last few seasons of the Reserve League, there was high, high standard players playing in it. And I'm talking before it became, you know, basically a youth league. You know, you've got international players coming back from injury, out of favour, all this kind of stuff, Jerry. And they're all playing. And young guys who are not getting games can learn a hell of a lot from that. It's no longer there. There's nowhere for the boys to go and play football like that. So they need to get out, as you say, and play. On the subject of Liam Shaw, two loan deals that he's had has been Motherwell and Morecambe. Um, you know, Morecambe, that's the level that he was playing at last season. He's not going to come back in and stamp his authority against Rangers, stamp his authority in the Champions League, right? Um, and he's not an age where you think, yeah, but he's got time on his side. These guys are moving into, you know, their, their 20s now. They need to go out and play football. So both of them would go. In my view, Michael Ross brings up Michael Johnston. Mikey Johnston. We have been talking about <laughs> Mikey Johnston being in the last chance saloon for three pre-seasons. Right. I'm going to ask you first what your view is on Mikey Johnston before I give you mine. Okay. So I'm aware, because obviously I'm a big fan of the podcast as well, so I'm aware that you've you've said this and it's on record that for the past three pre-seasons, we're saying, is this that? Is this the time? And then he's went and got injured again. Um I've kind of helped laugh, uh, see the laughing emojis at the end of that, Michael Ross. Um, so I think that says it all. He's, uh, 
sometimes he's just, like he's the the Dembele type for me. It's like sometimes not young Dembele, not uh, Musa Karamoko. How long do we hold on to this? Mm-hmm. Now I know where a lot of this is coming from, right? From some people, football manager, right? Mikey Johnson on football manager was one of the biggest prospects, right? Huge, and I think folk are still hanging on to this. Uh, I was, I go by that. Um, we. I feel so sorry for him, like you said the other day, mate. I really do. Because he was a player that I really wanted to see do well. And even before he got his injury there, I wanted him to move on. I wanted him to go off, play his football. And like you say, prove us wrong. Mm-hmm. Go and prove us wrong. Right? Go out there and you're not going to play the games you wanted to play. you got to be able to look back on your career and have no regrets. And some of them need to look at it and go, Am I going to regret just sitting about? Are some just sitting about for the money? I wouldn't think Mikey Johnson's that. I think he just really wants to play for his club. But the injuries, the the lack of playing time. I mean, that stat, who was it gave you that stat last week about the fact that he was, what? how many games he'd missed? That was Alan Morrison. Yeah. The best part of 50% of games. Yeah. Yeah. And see the thing, right? Whenever you speak to anybody with any connection to the club uh, and the football department will tell you that this boy has got an actual talent that, you know, a lot of his, his teammates have said that in terms of natural talent, no one beats him at, at Celtic, right? So you can see it on the training ground, but that doesn't, for me, that does not translate into his performances in the team. And then you look at the stop-start nature of his career at Celtic, um, you know, getting hung out to dry up top, Ibrox and all that stuff. Things that have affected him as a young player, I would suggest. The injury, you know, where there's that meme now where Neil Lennon tells him to do one up the tunnel because he wasn't honest about the injury, then he gets a bad injury, you know? And then I he's out for that, ages. That, do you know what? I hated that. Now, see, to me, I'm I'm quite a sensitive guy when it comes to like my work and things like that. And to publicly been told to off by your manager mm-hmm. on live TV after you're already feeling like shit, which just happened. I actually didn't like Neil Lennon for that at all. I really got my back up. Even though I was furious with Mikey Johnson, you were, I was furious. But to me, how's that going to affect a player? Literally. Well, it's interesting that's twice we spoke about that because often, if we're being ruthless, we don't even think about that. Get rid of this one, get rid of that one. How do you build up Kobayashi's confidence after getting dropped for the Scottish Cup final against lesser division opposition. How do you build up Mikey Johnson after what you just said there on national television, mm-hmm. being broadcast all over the globe to this massive brand that we opened up the show talking about how big we are and how many people re- you know, recognise that. And there's a young guy who is getting berated you know, in such a manner. That All that kind of stuff would have affected him. No doubt about it. He's come through the ranks. He's been at Celtic since he was a kid. But at his age, you know, I was looking at the situation, the fact that he went away, like Alan said last week, he went away and played a fair bit of football last last season in the Portuguese league. He broke into the Ireland team. He played international football, got his first assist, got his first goal. You're looking at him thinking to yourself, he's probably in better shape now than ever before during the last three pre-seasons when we've discussed this, to actually make an impact. And then Brendan Rodgers comes in, you think, wait a minute, this is one of Brendan's boys. Brendan thinks highly of, of Mikey Johnson. Is now the time. It was almost as if the world's aligning and then he gets yeah. injured again. He gets injured again. I know. I know. So is it time to go? Do you keep him? What do you do? Yeah. Do you think some players as well, like stubbornness, so they'll be listening to the likes of Axum or they'll be reading all the tweets and some of them go, 
oh, really, you think I'm not good enough? I'm staying. I'm going to yeah. prove to you. There'll, there'll be people like that. We, we forget about every single footballer's got a different personality, a different yeah. way of looking at life, uh, which I think makes football even better for me. But I, I, maybe he's just sat there going, especially with an, an injury. I mean, it's bad enough getting an injury, but you're getting an injury, and he will. Don't tell me players haven't got fake profiles on Twitter that they want to read things that are getting said about them. And it is going to mentally damage some folk, but Mikey Johnson could be reading those and he's getting more deflated, more deflated. Or it could be the opposite. It could be, no, I'm going to fight through this injury and I'm going to fight for my place again. We'll be up to next pre-season, right? (laughs) By by which time, like Sorrow, he'll have this big, long grey beard and all that and he'll be about 32. (laughs) Um, He's on my list, mate. He's on my list. You know, I just think there comes a point in a, in a player's career just look at Jack Hendry just look at his journey to signing for Celtic he had been at Celtic as a kid he went had to go away and prove himself elsewhere and then he's playing for Dundee at the time um, and it's Brendan Rodgers who, who was well up for signing him by the way he is not one of those players like Comper and, and like Sved who was foisted upon Brendan Rodgers you know, he's, he's, he's no one of the guys that he's turned up at training and there's an extra body because the club have signed him, uh, which happened with Paddy McCourt, by the way. Gordon Stratton tells that story. He had, nothing, he had nothing to do with signing Paddy McCourt. <laughs> and he turns up at training and he thinks Paddy's a competition winner. He's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Dermot Desmond signed him. And so, uh, you know, there comes that point. And I just think, I, just, I, I do, I just think now that it's time to be ruthless whilst obviously thinking about the the mentality and, and the mental health aspect of footballers who are human. Uh, after all, we need to remember that as well. I do remember uh, Ryan Christie being affected by the flack he was getting online after he got sent off against Livingston away um, to the point where he just kiboshed all his social media. And someone pointed out recently that Greg Taylor, I'm not on Instagram yet, I keep promising to set up the profile for Axon, that Greg Taylor had switched off his comments at one point because he was getting too much abuse. And only recently, I think, he's put them back on. Um, The next three might surprise a few uh, because they're all Scottish. And I found it interesting. Brendan Rodgers spoke about having a core group of 17 players. And then he said, then you've got 25, like the long list. He said, so you've got your, your core group of 17, then your long list is 25. He says, but you can make them up with the Scottish and homegrown players. This is, you know, the way he kind of spoke about it. Uh, because a lot of people are saying, oh, you've got to keep him because of the Scottish quota. You've got to keep him because he's good in the dressing room and all this nonsense. <laughs> yeah, we need a Scottish quota, but you can tap into your younger players to get that because it's for European competition in terms of the squad that you announce. They might sit on a bench and never kick a ball in Europe. You know, they're, they're very much backup players. So mm-hmm. I, I expect some people to disagree with some of these. And the first one you might disagree with, is Scott Bain, because we've just given him a three-year deal. Right, we've given him a three-year deal. Is he on your list? Aye. We've given him a deal, Jerry. but all that means is that, right, we'll be looking for a transfer fee for him. I don't think I've seen anything in the last two years. Let's let's go for the last two years with Bain. I've not seen anything that would suggest he's going to um, save something for us that is going to win us a game. He's going to displace Joe Hart from the number one position at Celtic. Um, and that game that you mentioned, Maeda, there's something in the water that night because he had an absolute Reggie Blinker that night. He had an absolute <laughs> shocker that night. Um, and I don't see him having a future. I do think we need to bring in a goalie. I think we need to ship out Bain as we have done with Hazard and Parkas. 
we bring in another goalkeeper to challenge Joe Hart. What's your take? Yeah, I totally agree with you. When when you watch Scott Bain, for me, he's the kind of player like, once he makes a good save, I always go, oh, he's going to drop the next one. I just felt like he would do something great and you go, oh, Scott's got, oh, he's, he's dropped it or he's done this, he's done that. I think nerves has a lot to do with it. You can see he's quite nervous and once that sets in for a goalkeeper, it's it's hard to get that away. Um, I think he needs to he needs to go out. Yeah, he needs to go. Out. I like 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 you said. We will keep going on about this. He's good in the dressing room. What is it Roy Keane says? What is it? Did he play card tricks? <laughs> I know. What does that mean? Is he the social convener? Um, surely we don't know. Right? When I played Sunday League, I hated it. Right? I was that guy. I never got a game when I was playing outfield. When I was a goalkeeper, I would. But it was like they kept me in the dressing room because I was a laugh. So I think <laughs> I've got uh, my personality. Thank for my football career. Good on a night out. <clears throat> aye, yeah. man, aye, aye. But Bain for me is, aye, he's not. We've been spoiled when it comes to the the Boriches, the, the the Fraser Fosters. I'm a huge fan of goalkeepers. Like back in the day, it was like every goalkeeper that was in the Premier League, I loved them. The Theo Schnelders, all that. Even though they made the news, the the Seab Dykstras, all those type of players. I love a great goalkeeper. But Boric, Forrester, Foster, sorry, are the only two for me that. I've been that great. And we need someone like that again. Boris was a bit of a bomb scare now and again, but he made up for it with his world-class saves. I mean, the one against Hibs, if you remember that, um, no right to save it. And that's the thing. I want a goalkeeper that makes saves that he's got no right to save. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you're right. Bain's not that for me. Seagrass, for me, I don't... F- I don't know. With Seagrass, he's one of those, and it? It's like, are we going too quick with us with Seagrass? Um, does he need more of a chance? But from what I've... I don't know, maybe I'd keep secrets. I'd keep a hold of secrets as a number three, bring someone else in to challenge Joe Hart. Um, but hey, he saved a penalty. Brendan Rodgers effect, mate. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and the blistering heat. Now, Michael, the reason that we're, we're discussing it regarding, I don't know if it, that's Scales or Johnson or whoever, is the fact that um, Brendan has actually spoken about trimming the squad. When you look at the squad, we've got about 35 in there, including the youngsters like Rudy Vata, uh, Rudy Vata's son. I almost called him Rudy, Va- Rudy Vata. Rocco <laughs> and Lava. We've got about 35 in there. So if you want to get it down to the 25, which is the figure Brendan Rodgers has mentioned, then there's wiggle room to manoeuvre 10 players out of the club. And that's what made me think this morning, which 10 players would we move out? So yes, yeah, Scott Bain, the other two, are both Scottish. The first one, for me, is a player that I've championed on here time and time again, but I think it is time. I think that um, there have been two occasions in the past where clubs have been interested in Stephen Welsh and he hasn't gone because the circumstances at the club were were uh, such that we needed another defender in the building. Um, so Chris Julien was hanging about, which I think affected Stephen Welsh's career first time round because I think we would have probably um, made a different decision on that but we uh, we didn't know what the future held for Julian and then obviously we brought in uh, Maritz Jens as well on loan I think when we brought in Kobayashi um, I looked at him as being the future I thought he was the guy that was going to break through we asked Liam Carrigan his thoughts on that he said that you know he was going to be the international first choice for Japan um, and he reckoned that he would also be a first choice for Celtic uh, whether or not that develops, I don't know. But from what I've seen so far, uh, Stephen Welsh over the last couple of years, he's not progressed the way you would have expected him to, Jerry. Um, and when there is interest, you know, transfer window and transfer window, eventually the player will get the move. And the interest he's getting is from Italy. So for a young player like him, 
what I would say is, there we go, look, um, Udinese uh, wanted Welsh, so you must be all right. You know, when you look at Welsh's stats and you look at the data, Welsh is more than all right. Welsh is a very good defender. And a lot of the clubs that he is obviously coming on the radar of, Jerry, appreciate that. I think if he was to get a move to Italy, right, he's going to be a huge success. And I've said before, I think he'll play for Scotland. But he won't do that languishing at Celtic. And he's another one of these guys, if he's not playing for the first team and he's not out on loan, he's not playing. That's a really good point you make, actually, when you think, at what point do we put aside a selfishness for Celtic and say, no, we need to look for the national team here because if this boy's out there, he could be doing us a real job because we've got a young national team who's just getting better and better. And we do need these players to go out, gain the experience, and then they can come into the national team, like you say. And who knows, mate, if they do really well and they gain some experience in a few years, they might get an offer to come back again. I mean, that's, I think, I don't know, you try and look at it as a fan, what would I do, right? I'm not getting the games I want now, but I don't want to leave my club. Right? I'm going to go away and prove it, and then they're going to come running to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. But I think you're right. It's A lot of these names you're mentioning, it's the names that we hear again and again and again. Welsh, was, he's been a great servant when it comes for any time has been an injury. It's like the bat signal, isn't it, for Welsh? I know, I know. Um, Been bringing him out. And he's done a job, and he, and he was good for a, a wee goal now and again. But... He must be chomping at the bit for first-team experience now. And like you say, Italy. Italy love a defender. that They obviously see something in them that we can see as well. Go over there, build yourself up, become a machine, and just look out for yourself. I'm a big fan of him, I am, but I agree with you. Time for Welsh to go as well. I think he's progress, Jerry. Right up until maybe Andy's, the end of Andy's first season, his progress was fine. You would be looking at that trajectory thinking, that that's a player who's doing really, really well. He's progressing well at Celtic. He's got European experience. I remember him actually organising Laxalt in some European games. He was telling, yeah. you know, positionally, you stand there. And, and that's a young guy telling the experienced international player who we've just seen from AC Milan what to do in a big game. So I had high hopes for him. I just think there was a stagnation last season for him. Never played enough games. He started off well, scored the first goal of the season against Aberdeen. Never played enough games. And that's where you start looking at whether or not he should go. The final one, might, again, be a, a bit of a shocker for some, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway, right? We and say it's at the not... same time, right? Okay. It's what? a midfield player, and it's Sorry. David Turnbull. Turnbull. Aye. Sorry, <laughs> mate. I jumped in before you. Sorry. No, it's fine. I got it's it Turnbull. as well. Turnbull. Turnbull. It's a hard one, though. It's a similar scenario to Welsh for me. He's at that point, he needs to play. He needs to play regularly, Jerry. Um, would I like you know him on my bench? Absolutely. But, you know, he's not going to be happy with that. And also, in terms of an asset, if you don't, you know, if you don't sell him now, he's going to be pretty worthless when when the time comes, if it's another two transfer windows down the line. So I've got David Turnbull as my 10th player in there. And I know some people may disagree with that. I just think, again, his progression looked brilliant in season one under Ange, but then last season he stagnated. So it's time for David to go as well. He's the one, isn't he, that you go... I think he should go, but I know this is going to backfire on us because he's going to go to a team and absolutely fly. And I truly believe that. And I want that for him. Um, would I be disappointed if he stayed? No. Because like you said, to have him on the bench, coming in off the bench, um, homegrown player as well, is, is he the the best homegrown player we've got um, that we can keep on the bench? It's an argument for another day, I suppose. But 
I do believe that it's time for him to go because if you look at who we've been said that we're going to be bringing in, you've got this Korean boy, apparently it's been announced by his team. They've congratulated him on the big screen last night, moving to Celtic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you uh, remind me of his name, please? Gavin? Yang Hyun Yun. You're so good at that, man. <laughs> yeah, and Have you seen his... I've been on his YouTube. Have you seen it? No. The YouTube video. Do you know what it reminds me of? See when you first saw Crouch play? Because he's quite, it looks quite a big, tall, gangly mm. boy. Mm-hmm. And he's brilliant with his feet, but it looks like he's got no right to be. So he's like a big, just jumps a bit like a big injured gazelle, but it, it looks like he's a real player. <laughs> um, so I think if we're looking at bringing players, like him in, we've got Awata as well. I know they're in similar positions, but still in the midfield. And then there's Toka. I don't like saying about Tete, things like that. I don't know. I think Turnbull's going to be on his way out the door. I'd be happy if it was proved wrong. Like well, all of these players, mate, I'd be happy for proved wrong. Oh, I don't think there will be, but Turnbull might be the one that bites us in the bum. He might. I mean, before I come to some of the points, because you know, absolutely welcome a disagreement on this one because there's a few in there that I knew would would split opinion. Uh, but Yang is the new player that has not yet been announced by Celtic. If you look at the, the kind of age groups of the four players, two that were signed and two that are in the wings to come in, um, 21, 21, 22 and 20, uh, the transfer oh. fees are ranging from two to two and a half million pounds. So I can see why people think they're this project kind of category of player. Um, and also where, where we're bringing them in from also, you know. However, as we've said throughout this show, chucking money at a player from a big league doesn't necessarily guarantee you the results that you want. Now, John Bosas disagrees with, with, with our asse- assessment of Turnbull. Keep him 100%. Um, I think he would go out and do... Listen, I think Welsh and Turnbull would do what Hendry's done. Now, you might rate Jack Hendry or not. That boy has gone out there and really, for me, he's proved himself as a player. He's, he's always in Stevie Clark's international side. Um, and I mean, the Belgian team that got him flipped him, didn't they? And they made a big, big wedge off him as well. Um, I think, isn't he now? I need to check this. Isn't he now managed by Ronnie Dyla? I see at Bruges. At Bruges, yeah. I need to check that. I think that's the case. So you know, he's done well. Uh, exactly. I loved Ronnie. I loved Ronnie. Well, that's another tangent. We'll go on another day. But one day I'd love to see him back. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> well, well, Ronnie worked with Odin Tiago home for at least a year at Villarenga. So again, Boring. we've been touched by the ghost of Ronnie in some of the signings <laughs> as well. Uh, John Bosas Welsh also. He's saying keep him 100%. He's young for a centre-back and still has time. Big Billy took several years to mature into a good centre-back. The only thing is he is of a similar height to Carter Vickers and Starfelt, not tall for centre-backs. And we've also got uh, the underwater cabbage salesman. Welsh is a prime example of not developing our own talent properly. We ask for the club to produce players, then the fans destroy them instead of developing them. So, listen, I would love to see Turnbull. I'd love to see Welsh. I'd love to see Johnston prove us wrong but there's the 10 players that I feel could leave the, the squad and it wouldn't affect us adversely next season let us know in the comments do you strongly disagree with us do you agree with us is there anybody out there who agrees with us on this um, Jerry is there anybody else on your list that wasn't on mine aye but I don't want to say it because I love him Scottish as well Ralston oh Tony Tony I love him, mate. I love him. I do. And if he, if he watches this, I'm sorry. But I just... 
for Europe, mate. It's for me again to come up, to be there for the league. Yeah, he's brilliant, and and I hope I, I'll, I'll regret this one. It actually hurts saying this one, mate. Really hurts because uh, I don't know if you know we're from the same clan. Aye, and <laughs> so, also it's it's the success story. A, a couple of times today we've spoken about the mental fortitude of players and how we've always got to take that into consideration, Jerry. You imagine being Tony Ralston for the 18 months that you never kicked the ball with Celtic, where if you had social media, basically you become a joke, you become a meme. Uh, any mention of him on this show, we became the joke and we became the tar- because how dare you? He's rotten, he's this, he's that. And I remember him playing in that game where we had virtually no players due to the Dubai situation. Um, and I, I had the audacity to say that he was the best player in the park. What do you know about football? Because there had been this image developed of Tony Ralston, whereby he just wasn't good enough for Celtic. He came back from that. He came back from that. He proved himself over the last couple of seasons. And I know that when he came back into the team last season, he wasn't the Tony Ralston that we had kind of grown accustomed to. Um, But I think it does get to the point where you're thinking, right, where can I improve in that area rather than where can I improve my first pick in that area? Where can I improve in that area? And the fullbacks are certainly at the moment, I think uh, the jury's out. I think we could maybe improve in both areas. You know, one to push Johnson, one to push Taylor. And what does that do to the current second choices, Bernabe and, and, and Ralston? It might mean, maybe not this transfer window, but it might mean that they drop out. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of want your backup players to be safe. Say, for instance, uh, uh, Alistair Johnson, get his name right this time. <laughs> uh, if, if he gets injured, I don't think I would go, it's fine, because Ralston said, you still a little bit, you go, oh, oh we've, we've, we've lost Alistair, we've lost AJ. We need uh, backup players that you go, it's all right, AJ's out, and comes the next one, here we go. And that's going to be the difference. We can't, I feel like we've, our backup players are never really at the full standard that our first picks are. And, and that's why we can't really push forward, because when injuries do hit, you need to be able to replace, bang, this guy's just as good. So instead of the kind of model of having a two really great, a really great player in a position in somebody who's actually quite good underneath. I think that needs to kind of stop now. I mean, to just fighting, fighting, and fighting for competition. Um, he's a great servant, the Ross County goal. Uh, do you know what I mean? He's he'll go down as a legend for me. He will go I down think he's a, he is a cult the hero. He's the cult hero right now in this team. Right, and how many cult heroes do you get these days? Lustig became a bit of a cult hero. Uh, mm. Samaras was a cult hero. We've mentioned yeah. Paddy McCourt; he was a cult hero. Um, and I think Ralston's in there. I really do. I'm bringing this up actually from Kinky Cadetti. Uh, Ralston needs to get back down the building site. Great time to be a bricky jobs everywhere. You know what I'm rewatching right now, by the way, Jerry? Of we really the Pet. I've I've started oh, watching it. Brilliant. From episode one, I'm going to watch the whole shebang. So I talking used to about trickies. Oh. By the way, Kinky Cadet, love the name. Um, Ralston would run through a brick wall to play for his club, and that's why I love him. But again, it's not a reason to keep a hold of him. He needs to. It'd be great to see him move on to another team and get. He's one of these guys. He needs at least five games under his belt before he really starts getting into that flow. I, you're right. I mean, Moy was like that as well. But I, I think yeah. you're right with Ralston to get back up to the point where 
you, you know, he's dependable, he's um, hitting bylines, he's getting the ball across, because I think that's one of the, the plus points of his game is his distribution. Um, love it, agrees with 90% of what was said, but he would keep a hold of his skills. Well, I'll tell you what, 90% isn't bad. Let us know your thoughts. Who is going to be shelled out this preseason? Is it time for the likes of Johnston? and Stephen Welsh and David Turnbull to leave Celtic. Let us know your thoughts in the comments section. A couple of wee bits to cover. First and foremost, Jerry has been very, very busy with his uh, theatre production. Tell us a wee bit about it, Jerry. Oh, yeah, right. So shout out to all Celtic fans there. Rally round. We have got a show called Singing I'm Not a Billy, She's a Tim at the Pavilion Theatre this 1st and 2nd of September. The Billy and Tim brand's been going for 20-odd years. It's the most successful touring Scottish show in modern history, it's unreal, doesn't get spoken about enough. And what I realised was anytime we're on Twitter or on Facebook, it's a lot of the female fans, the banter's incredible, um, sometimes they're worse than the guys. So myself and the Dez, I was trying to get him to write a third one, and he says, no, I think we should actually rebrand it, and uh, let's see what the lassies can do with it. So we've cast some great, I've got a great cast, I've got Dion Fratty and Jade McDonald, and they're going to be playing uh, the Billy and Tim characters. And it's all about, if nobody's heard about it, it's what would happen if you put a Rangers and Celtic fan in a jail cell. There's a camera there, so they can't hit each other, right? They, they know they can't do that. So they are forced to listen to each other's traditions and beliefs. What would happen if you can't walk away? You're surrounded by four walls, a camera. There's nothing you can do. And it was just to see Des has written this beautifully. It's how they pick apart each other's history. And it also teaches you a lot. But what I want you to know, it's not a celebration of bigotry or anything like that. Um, both sets of fans get it. It's a chance to laugh at yourselves and to, to just show how stupid bigotry can be. All right. There's also a side plot story with Harriet the guard. She's going through her own thing, which magnifies just how stupid it is. But what we do is we celebrate both teams. I have to say that we celebrate them both for both sets of fans. Um, so we're looking for as much support for the lassies as we can because it's the first time they've ever done this. 20 years of the boys doing it. And it's not just the boys that are bigots. So uh, we're just rallying on as many fans. Even say to your other side of Glasgow supporting fans, come along with them for a night out because it is a great, great night out. I'm directing it um, and written by Des Dillon. Yeah, we've got an assistant director who's a Rangers fan. We, we keep it balanced, um, but I get the final say. So <laughs> um, tickets are on sale. The Pavilion Theatre, Glasgow, 1st and 2nd of September. There's a matinee as well. And we're also looking for any businesses that want to advertise in our programme, um, then get in touch through uh, Twitter with me. And, yeah, just spread the word. I've got it pinned to my profile, the poster, so if you can retweet that as much as you can. And uh, it's going to be a great show. It's hilarious. It's one of the funniest things you'll ever see. Joseph McGonagall has obviously seen it already. It's a great show yeah. all the bit. Good luck, Jerry. Listen, the link to that particular show and tickets is underneath this video. Um, as is Roy Aiken. You can come along to see Roy Aiken with a Celtic state of mind at the end of this month. He's a player who won the double under Jockstein in 1977. He was part of the 1980 Scottish Cup final that ended in a riot. Uh, he was part of the 10 men winning the league. Uh, he scored the, the equalising goal that night when we won 4-2. Um, he went on to uh, win the 100th Scottish Cup in 1985. You'll remember his marauding run down the right-hand side for the cross for McGarvey, Frank McGarvey, to score the winner. Um, he was at Love Street 
uh, when we won the league on the last day at Lodge Street and he was the captain when we won the double in the centenary. What a player Roy Aiken was for Celtic. And he's going to be talking about all of that and more at the end of this month. He's on my bucket list, Jerry. That's how we started off this show. You've been been buzzing about this, haven't you? Oh, I know, I know. Ever since I couldn't get my photograph taken with him at Butlins, I've been (laughs) dreaming of this moment. So if you want to come and see that, tickets underneath the video as well. Listen, it's a Monday, it's pre-season. We're a thousand strong on the live stream. Unbelievable support from everybody who gets involved with the Axon thing on the YouTube. If you like what we do, give us a thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel if you want to get involved in the comments section as well. And we always bring up the comments regardless of whether you disagree or agree with the contributors. That's what it's all about, a bit of healthy debate. I've got to say again, Jerry Taylor, fantastic. Thank you for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. Network.